Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... We're all safe at home, but we can still travel through stories. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop in order to support independent bookstores while supporting your favorite bookmakers and kidlit podcasters. Same books, same great prices, but this time your dollars make a difference for someone or some indie trying to make a difference. Go to MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop to choose your next great read. Where I think we're being tested right now and reassessed, and I know that in some ways I don't want to go back to the way that I used to live. I, I don't enjoy this, but there's a sort of more consciousness and thriftiness and frugality and using what you have that is good, you know? I have a quote from today's guest that I think centers the entire interview. She says, I never grew out of being a kid. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 585. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Jillian Tamaki, illustrator of My Best Friend, written by Julie Foliano. Jillian won a Caldecott honor for her art in This One Summer, a graphic novel written by Mariko Tamaki, her cousin. She later turned a lot of heads in a picture book she wrote and illustrated called They Say Blue. But in choosing to make the art for my best friend, Jillian shares that there was one line in the manuscript that definitely sealed the deal. In this story of best friends at first sight, One child narrates an encounter she has with another on the playground. The text is playful and light, but carries a weight of sincerity, undeniable in childhood friendships. What Jillian brought to the story through her expressive art brings a sense of whimsy and play and reiterates the feeling of the whole world slipping away when it's just you and your best friend. Please welcome my guest, Jillian Tamaki illustrator of My Best Friend. Hi, my name is Jillian Tamaki, and I am a cartoonist and an illustrator and an author. Um, And I use the pronouns she, her. I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I was born in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, on the other side, uh, on the west side of Canada. And um, yeah, I've been... uh, uh, making books and doing illustration 
for about 15 years now. Uh, I'm pretty new to picture books, but I've done a lot of comics for teenagers and adults. But it's really nice to be um, doing books for younger readers as well. <laughs> yeah, one with a <laughs> shiny Caldecott honor sticker on it. You know, no big deal. I know your comics. I love your work. <laughs> I'm all over the place. I, I have a very short attention span. I love that. Well, when you're all over the place, you also get to be all over the place in the library, which means yep. readers finding you of all ages and everywhere. And that's a really, really cool thing. It's so cool. And what is even cooler is that um, um, I've been making books long enough that I'll see readers as they grow up. So sometimes... <laughs> Somebody will come up to me at, um, like, I always do a big tr a Comic Con here yeah. in um, Toronto, and the same people will come to me every year, and they'll be, you know, 13 one year, and then 14 the next, or and so you see them grow up and they change. And it, what's really nice about having books for all different ages is that you can sort of grow with them, you know, and, and, they sort of age into books that you've made. <laughs> that's really so cool. That's really... Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. considering that I know that, that these books, as all books do, each contain a little bit of you. So mm -hmm. in that way, these kids are connecting with different parts of you and your life as they grow up and read through what you've written and created. That's a really cool thing to think about. Yeah, and, and also it's like we all change, you know. We change from year to year and we're at different sort of phases in our lives and we're going through different things at different times in our lives and those all get um, sort of packaged in the book, right? So somebody that might be encountering a, one of my first books, Skim, which is for teenagers, um, they're sort of encountering me <laughs> over 10 years ago and that was a different person then too. So it's... It's very, very interesting how how we change and the, when we sort of encounter books, we're different people than the people that made them. And it's it's pretty cool. That's fascinating, but I, but too. You, yeah, but to you're think right. About... I, mm. I was just going to say that, um, but I think you're right. Even though the books look really different, they might be for different audiences or they might be different formats, like a comic for, versus a picture book or they might be in black and white versus color there's always something of me in them because you can't help it. You know, it's like your handwriting and you can try to be something else, but you're, you're in it, whether you're trying to be in it or not. So, but Jillian, how amazing too, that in, in putting yourself or expressing yourself in each book, it's actually a different you expressing that younger you, because as you age, you have different, perspective on who you are uh -huh. and how you view those experiences that is wild and trippy and it must be an episode of doctor who <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm the, one of those people that never i feel like i never grew out of being a teenager or a kid in some ways i think i'm i'm a little immature in some ways <laughs> <laughs> in some ways. So um, even though I get older, I really, really remember being a kid and being a teenager so much so that it scares my mom because she's just like, 
what do you, you remember that little detail of from when you were six? Like, what else do you remember? She thinks I'm going to remember something awful. But um, I, I have a very strong sensory nostalgic memory. That's <laughs> amazing. But it is fun. Yeah, I think, I don't know. It's, it's weird because it can be kind of make you sentimental and too reflective on yourself sometimes. But it's very useful if you're going to write books for teenagers or kids (laughs) and for what brings us together today this beautiful new picture book you have with julie foliano called my best friend it it is everything about trying to for an adult trying to recall that that pure experience of being a child and of falling in love Becoming mm-hmm. a best friend with the first person that you meet or the one that shows up in that same play area as you do that day. Yeah, it's so in, it's really intense. And I I, I, um, I was very attracted to that in her manuscript, because obviously when we illustrators um, are approached to do a book, all that you're kind of given is our words on a page, right? They're sort of, um, there's no pictures or any sort of photos to sort of guide you to an image. It's just words on a page. And it's, so that's where it's really fun to imagine, imagine what you would do if you got these, um, if if you were to take on this manuscript and it really hit me right away. All those images came to me really, really easily because I have had similar friendships like that. Um, on the first day of, kindergarten there was a girl who walked straight up to me and said do you want to be best friends and I said "Uh, sure (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know anybody else here and we truly were best friends for for like all of elementary school so um a lot even though that that work is obviously based in Julie's friendships the author's friendships there's so much of my friendships in there too I like that you point out because this is the experience I had as well, that in this book, it is about these two girls that we uh, ultimately find out don't even know each other's names or or don't even know if they'll see each other the next day. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. in bringing up your own child experience and in me, especially thinking about my five-year-old, my daughter, who is constantly going up to strangers, (laughs) children, strangers Mm -hmm. her age and saying, do you want to play with me? Do you want to be my best friend without even knowing who they are? That in no way, though, lessens or or diminishes the fact that she really believes you are the closest person to me right now. Mm-hmm. I want to do everything with you. Yep. Yep. And we're, I think we're in this moment, especially we're learning how interconnected we really are, you know? And um, yeah, I think that that's, I think we all wish we could be a little bit more open like that, you know, even... Yeah. Um, even as adults, that it's we could so be pure. maybe less, yeah, less fearful, less of more trusting. Um, we could share ourselves more readily without being maybe embarrassed or afraid, you know. So, I want to jump into your beautiful, beautiful art in this book, and where, where or how you chose to start. But I thought first I would introduce folks to Julie's text to sort of give them a sense of how much space you had to work within this. Um, Mm -hmm. Julie's text um, 
is is a narrative of this girl sharing about her other girl that she met and she starts I have a new friend and her hair is black and it shines and it shines and she always laughs at everything she is so smart and when I say la 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 she says la 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 and if I fast forward Jillian the part where my the entire time I'm reading this book my fourth graders in particular were just Oh, this art is so beautiful. Oh, my word, it's so amazing. But we got the answer, we think, to why the colors are what they are near the end of the book where it, the, where the girl continues, tomorrow I think we will write our names in big letters on the sidewalk and it will say best friends and there will be a smiley and a heart and my name will be in red and her name can be in green if green is what she likes. Is you that... are so good at reading. Oh my word, I've read this book. Julian, I have read this book no less than 15 times. That's amazing. It I is like so to... beautiful. I need, to take, I need to take notes. It's so beautiful. And for me to bring you to that place, I was saying off recording, that my fourth graders, my podcast group, wanted so much to talk to you. And one child in particular, whose name I will just say, her name begins with the letter M, every page turn she was just drooling over your beautiful art especially the moment the moment where um where was it about cracking about cracking her up and pretending to be a pickle right the anamorphs yes <laughs> she really likes laughing and laughed for the whole entire day especially when i pretended to be a pickle she really really liked that i think that might have been the line that kind of sealed the deal for me. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I have to do this book because I, with this aforementioned friend, um, we used to play hamburger, which is where you sort of put it like a sleepovers, where you put a pillow down, that's the bun, and then you're the patty, yes. <laughs> and then there's like another pillow, it's a tomato. And you're, I don't know what the, the goal of that game is, how the game ends, but it was so true to something that I had personally done as a kid. So, but the funny thing about the colors, so it was guided a little bit by that um, line, I think, but, um, but, but I'm not sure if people can tell that it's actually just four colors. There's there's that green and then there's that very dark red and then there's a pink and there's a yellow and then, everything those they're just on four different layers it's they, this was all drawn on a computer and they're just four different layers layered on top of one another so you know if you think about mixing colors yellow and and blue you're going to get green if you mix two of those colors i just mentioned the dark red and the yellow you kind of mix them together it creates its own sort of shade right so that was kind of the it's so to me i find it really fun to see how to just use that limited palette and see how far I can stretch it. I can see how I can make it work and create new effects because it's a fun little challenge. It's really kind of, there's, there's a lot more in there than you think just from, you know, four little spots. It's so, so beautiful. Uh, it makes you lean into the art to study closely, to watch all of the line work and watch every brush stroke. It was so so pretty to see something so limited. Thank you very much. I, I think 
I, I personally, if you tell me, you give me a blank page and you tell me you can do whatever you want, that's when I get nervous. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> too, many, too many choices. I can get, oh, God, if I can do anything, then, I, then how, do, how do I make up my mind? If you I know? can Sometimes, do anything, how do I do anything? Ex- exactly. And I think that that's um, a really common thing, actually, when you're confronted with so many choices, it can be really hard, hard to make one choice, right? So sometimes I think if you set a little boundary and you give your and you maybe give yourself a challenge, if I'm going to use okay, these three street colors, I'm just going to use cut paper or whatever, you know, any sort of limitation it's a lot easier to start because at least then you've eliminated some of the decisions <laughs> to make. And there's always more than you can do once you poke around within that little um, limitation. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. Go to Libro FM. That's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. So was it from that, the red and green line that you were just like, that's it. I'm limiting myself to these, just this very limited palette. Or is that something because I feel like I know your art and you tend to be a person from my vantage point that understands color and values color a lot and so I find myself really drawn to the way you use color and the way you seem to as I said understand the way that one color will will play with another I I'm really flattered you say that because I actually don't think I'm color is my strong suit at all whoa that blows my mind (laughs) I really love working in black and white, and that comes from comics, right? Like a lot of comics are well now. Now there's more color comics, but traditionally comics were black and white a lot of the time, yeah. and so that's really what I was doing a lot. A lot of when I started, and I love working in black and white because it's there's so much potential within it, and you can do a lot of things and get really creative just with that one color. And I've never felt that comfortable with color, but I think sometimes when you're not that comfortable, you find that that's something you have to work on, you have to work at. It makes you a little bit more sensitive to it, right? It makes you sort of analyze it a little bit more and sort of think about, okay, well, what about this isn't working and what about what about this is working? It makes you sort of work harder at it and then hopefully you every we can always improve if we work at something so i that's very nice that you say that but <laughs> I, I don't feel it comes very intuitive to me that's so funny see i would have thought and maybe it's just me putting my own experience onto your work but having come from they say blue onto my best friend it just felt like well yeah you have this story about how color 
is everything is our emotions, <laughs> right. our experiences. And then we go to this next book where you're like, I'm just going to use these four colors and watch how I can make you feel things. Um, it's so funny to hear your, your, I don't know if the words like your insecurity about color, your whatever. It's just funny though. That it's not what you would consider your strength. No, but I never, I'm, I never think in color really. I think like some people that is really just the base. And I have friends that are a lot of friends that are artists and some of them, Oh, their work is, I'm just so jealous because it's just so colorful and color is leaping off the page and it's all about the color and it's so sensory and you can kind of live inside of it. And I think I'm much more of a drawer, you know, I really think in terms of tone and the, and the drawing itself and the mark making, having fun with doing different sorts of line and effects and stuff like that. That's the way my brain works. But it goes to show that, you know, you don't have to think one, an artist is not one way of thinking. There's so many ways to uh, think about art and make art and approach art and different little facets of it to be interested in. We don't have to be interested in the same things. <laughs> Thank God. Well, I was going to tell you artist that it would be super awesome for you to have a t-shirt that said, I'm much more of a drawer, but as I wrote that <laughs> yeah. on my, I keep notes as we interview. And as yeah. I wrote it on my notes, I realized it reads, I'm much more of a drawer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, exactly. no. <laughs> it doesn't does translate. <laughs> oh. I think that's the new picture book. Right? There you go. I'm much more of a drawer. <laughs> that's amazing. I, um, I, I love that in your work, I see how much um, you pour into expression, not just on faces of characters, but just the way that sort of the way the camera is sitting in in our field of view as a reader, that mm. that there's a lot in the way that that things are positioned, things are shaped, things arc. I'm thinking in particular of the of the page here with the ducks, where the ducks mm. are in the foreground. And um, the girls are running off, making hands to make quacks. But these <laughs> two ducks just take up the entire left side of the page, staring at these girls. Um, there's no other people in the story, because what I really wanted was... And there's, no, there's not very many... Well, there's one scene where there's other people running, uh, little kids running around the kids, um, when they're yeah. playing hide-go-seek, I guess. But I really wanted to sort of cut out... Um, any background detail and because they're so focused on one another you know they're just it's like you're just when they're when you're you're in that kind of deep play or that sort of deep concentration the world kind of falls away you know what i mean there's sort of you the the details around you are less important because you're just so focused on that other person or that activity that you're you know engaged upon so i really wanted to show that idea through the visual right and so that's why there is very little background and there's there's very few other people unless the text um talked about it but i wanted to have those big ducks sort of because you they're they're sort of us in that (laughs) they're sort of the viewer in that uh, spread and also just it's kind of funny to think what must those ducks be thinking (laughs) yes i love my favorite illustration i think is uh, the one of the ice cream where the text reads, it's probably my favorite text too. 
I think I know we are best friends because she loves strawberry ice cream and I hate strawberry ice cream and we are still friends even then. So that is something yeah. good. And you just have the, the main girl like sticking her tongue out in disgust, but not, not in the face of her friend, more like at the thought that her friend is enjoying this thing that she doesn't like. It's just disgusting. And of course the little birds waiting the birds, for they you want to all. drop anything. They're just, they'll just swoop in and, and steal it from you. Uh, that's And I think that the body language, we were talking about body language yes. there. Um, is it's amazing. I think that you know, everybody can think about how, say, if they're your mom or a friend is just maybe they're they're just off and they're maybe saying what they should be saying, but there's just something about them that is, hey, are you okay? Or or there's something, or they got good news and you you're, and they haven't said anything. They've just walked in the door and you can tell, hey, there's something. Did you get some good news or are you happy? Or you can just sort of tell, right? There's like these yeah. little signals and we're so, so sensitive to those s- signals that we just give off without even trying. <laughs> you know, it's the way you carry your body or the way you're, you're relaxed or you're tense or whatever. So I, I think that that is one of the, we were talking again about how my books are similar through whether they're for adults or they're for kids. I think that that sense of body language is something that links them you know um i'm i really am acutely aware of the storytelling power we can tell so much story through the way that we depict faces or bodies and just one little line or one little like nudge of an up or down like can just change somebody's expression completely so i'm really fascinated by that um idea And the storytelling potential of that. For sure. Because the way that you've choreographed these two girls, that even in this moment of opposition, they, their bodies are not in opposition. I mean, their backs are to one another, but it's not that they are fighting. They never have uh, any sort of discord throughout this moment. Mm -hmm. And I think by not giving us that sort of betrayal through their choreography, you are strengthening their bond. And then and I think it's in the next panel where they sort of like join forces with their half-eaten, <laughs> you know, clones. <laughs> and, they, and then sort of the image, some of the images from the book previous with the intertwining flowers and the bird and that was in the other spread and the duck, they all sort of come together. So, because you're remembering the day, right? Yeah. 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 Well, we could walk through every single page of this book because as I'm leafing, I'm like, oh, yeah, and we were cracking up over, I can write her name. And it's like ZMLQ, whatever, <laughs> whatever this yeah, value is. exactly. Which is how my five year old spells things. <laughs> I just did a, um, a reading with Julie. Um, I, we hadn't done, we were going to go on a book tour, but we're not doing that. But we did an online thing and she read the book and I wasn't sure if she was going to read it. And I think it goes, you know, her name is. LXMQ or whatever, uh, but I wasn't sure if she was going to say that or LipSipSQ. <laughs> you know, read out that like name the way it's spelled or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's sort of part of the magic, isn't it? The way these two things, your words and and her or the the art that you've made in her poem come together and what is unusual to me about this book but I love this is that so often when the text 
flies. I want mm-hmm. to go slow so that the children take in the art. And instead, this is a book where I'm just like, we're just going to fly through this and we'll read the book two or three times if we need to. Because <laughs> it just is meant to be, it feels as though it's meant to be frolicking and fast because when we're with our friends, time time goes like that. Yeah, and kids talk that way too where it's sort of a run-on sentence. You yeah. know, there's like, <laughs> the, the ideas are strung together in this very sort of joyful uh upbeat way you know but it's true i really do love collaborating with other people i would never i have books that i do on my own and i do books with other people and there's i like both i would never choose to do one way or the other because the books i do with other people are so special i could never do that book by myself i'm just not capable you know um, there's something really unique about um, when you two people come together and they overlay their experiences, something completely unique that the person could never accomplish on their own. And I think that that's really cool. That is cool. And I love thinking about how you read these manuscripts and find what feels like the right one for you, much like how you expressed in this book, how it was that scene with the pickle and how it brought you back to your own childhood that was one of the reasons why this book or the manuscript resonated with you Mm -hmm. absolutely yep and it's a gut thing you know it's not uh, I'm very very lucky that I I can choose things like that emotionally resonate versus other reasons that we you know take jobs and have to do work and stuff Um, but I I books are just too much work for me (laughs) to not (laughs) not want to just I have to love it because you're going to live in that world for a year you know that's how long it takes to make books and and you're going to have to talk about it for a long time after you make it hopefully and you have to read it over and over again so I really um I, that's what I read. I'm like, could I live in this world for a year? And with this, for sure, because it was just so sweet and so, but not overly sweet. It was just charming and fun and like gentle and and the, there was a lot of love in it, right? And I'm like, I want to live in that world for a year. <laughs> I love that. Well, Jillian Tamaki, it was so fun talking to you today. Thank you for helping time to fly by. Oh, thank you so much. You had great questions. I brought with me all of the love and and <laughs> charm and all the things that my fourth graders in particular saw in this book, in this folded and gathered copy that was just falling apart everywhere <laughs> as we were reading it, but was just so wonderful. And can you go back to this page and can you do that? And to bring nine and 10 year olds to a place where they remember I remember making friends like this was so special and so in that way we all are indebted to you and to Julie for helping for doing the work to help bring us there so so I don't know so it what feels effortless effortlessly thank you so much I really really appreciate that so I'm going to end with a question that that I always ask my guests, and it's so different 
in that we're recording now in a time when we don't get to see each other. But I'm mm-hmm. so blessed that I get to see children virtually now. So I'm going to ask this nonetheless. And, and our hearts come from the same place. And that is that mm-hmm. I'll, see, <laughs> I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Oh, I'm thinking about so much these days, and I'm sure everybody is. And honestly, I think just do your best. You know, like we're in a really weird situation, and we're going to feel a lot of things. And all we can do, we're going to have good days and bad days. (laughs) And, um, all we can do is like to try our best and sometimes that's going to be more than other days but that's all we can ask of ourselves so that's what i'm thinking about today the children's book podcast is recorded and produced by me matthew winner in my library studio in ellicott city maryland you can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.